Welcome to the third episode of Retire Early, Retire Now. I'm your host, Hunter Kelly, an owner of Palm Valley Wealth Management. And today we are going to talk about four things that you should accomplish before the end of the year. But before we get started, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This is not financial, tax, or legal advice. Anything you hear on this podcast, again, is for educational use only. Please consult with a financial, tax, or legal professional before implementing any of this advice. And please keep Palm Valley Wealth Management in mind when making those considerations. So let's get started. We just entered into the last few months of the year and the holidays are fast approaching. So before you start stuffing yourself with turkey and eggnog, let's talk about four simple tasks you can do to maximize your dollars in 2024. The first task that you'll want to accomplish is reviewing that open enrollment benefit package. Obviously, if you're still employed and offered benefits through your employer, I find that this is probably the most overlooked or at least not given enough attention each year. People just scuff it off because they picked it in previous years and they just assume that it's going to be the same thing every year. And so a couple of things that will be in there, obviously your health insurance, dental, vision, disability insurance, whether it be short or long-term, life insurance potentially, and then other ancillary benefits as well. And the way I want to structure uh, this segment of the podcast, reviewing that open enrollment benefit package, is not necessarily explaining those different products in there, like the health insurance and dental and all that, but just to give you the framework of how you should be making those decisions so that you can come up with the best decision for yourself. And then if there's any terms or something that you're not sure of, either reach out to me or you can get with someone in HR at your employer and they would be happy to help I'm sure as well. So let's hop into health insurance and this is something I personally and my wife are diving into actually this week as I record this podcast she just received her open enrollment packet because we use her insurance and so there are many questions that we're asking ourselves and so our situation is going to change a little bit this year One, because we're not having any more kids this year. Two, we don't have any planned procedures. Like my son just had uh, tubes put in last year, so that was a cost that we had to plan for and everything else. So now that we know that theoretically there's no big expenses, we're probably not going to hit our out-of-pocket max. So that's going to drive us to pick maybe a different plan than we normally would. And so a couple of different questions that that you want to ask yourself. Generally speaking, There are two different plans. There's the high deductible or the high premium, higher premium. And so one can be better than the other, just dependent on your situation. So some questions you should be asking yourself is, how often do I go to a doctor? What type of doctors are they? Is it just a general practitioner? Are you seeing specialists? Who is your doctor? So what network are you in? Are you planning on any major procedures or medical events in 2024? The other question that may be a little bit unrelated, but sort of related, do you have a hard time planning for unexpected expenses? And so all of these questions, when answered, will drive you either to the higher deductible or the higher premium. And so in a very general sense, the higher deductible is easier on the wallet in the short term 
paycheck to paycheck. Um, but if there is a bigger medical expense, then you're going to be out of pocket a little bit more because your deductible is higher. When you're out of pocket, it's higher. So you'll have bigger lump payments. Now, if you pick the higher premium, you're going to outlay more per paycheck. But when you go to the doctor or potentially have a procedure or things of that nature, your outlay when you go have that procedure and that bill is due will be a bit lower. So it evens out your cash flow need when you pick that higher premium. So answering those questions between you and your spouse or just you individually will help you determine which one would fit you better. The next decision that will generally be made is whether you should contribute to an HSA or an FSA. HSAs are health spending accounts and they are offered with a high deductible plan. An FSA is a flexible spending account and is generally offered with the high premium health plans. And so again, an HSA is a health spending account and this is great because you can contribute to this account pre-tax through your paycheck and depending if you're single or have a family, if you have a family, you can put up to about $8,300 into that account and about half of that if you're filing single. And so again, this is a good way to plan for medical expenses throughout the year because that, again, the higher deductible plan is going to cost less in your paycheck each, each month, but you're going to have to front more money if you do go to the doctor unexpectedly, emergency procedures, what, what, whatever the case may be. And the, the great thing, and I won't get in too much detail, we can do a whole, again, a whole podcast on this and, and I plan on doing that. But the, the great thing is, is that let's say you put the full 8,300 in or whatever amount and you don't use a dime of it. Well, that will continue to roll over to following years. And then you can use that later on down the road. And so if you contribute to that every year, you could theoretically build that up to a, a pretty healthy account, um, and have be almost self-insured, if you will, if you, if you play play your cards right. So the other account is the FSA, and that is a flexible spending account. It works similar to an HSA where you can contribute pre-taxed into that account, but the limits are a little bit different. And the limit is $3,200 a year for 2024, but you're not going to be able to roll over the full amount. So you would only be able to roll over about $640 or less. So anything over that $640 mark, you will actually lose. So so you just have to be careful about how much you want to contribute. If you think you're going to hit your out-of-pocket max, then probably contributing the whole thing would, would make sense. Obviously, if you want tax deductions, there are multiple reasons you would want to contribute to either of these accounts. But you just have to be aware that you cannot roll over that entire amount and so contributing to these will help plan for those, those expenses that may be incurred throughout the year. And then based on what uh, plan you pick um, is which, which one you can contribute to. And one thing I do want to mention while we're on the topic of FSA, sometimes this account is missed. If you have children and you're paying for some sort of care for them, whether that's babysitting, daycare, nannying, nursery school, preschool, whatever that case may be, there is something called a dependent care FSA, and you're able to put up to $5,000 a year in there pre-taxed. So if you're looking for a quick tax deduction and you know you're going to use that money, well, the dependent care FSA is a great way to 
contribute. I wish they would up the limit. But when Congress made the limit, I think in 1986, they did not add an inflation rider to that. So it would literally take an act of Congress to get this change, no pun intended. The last two things I want to cover in regards to open enrollment packets are disability insurance and group life insurance. Disability insurance comes in two different types. That would be short-term and long-term disability insurance. And so what is disability insurance? This is an insurance in case you maybe get hurt and can't work anymore. The insurance company will pay you a benefit for a set amount of time. It could be life. It could be a two-year period, five-year period, but whatever agreed upon amount that you purchase, whether it's through a group policy or individual policy, if you become injured, they will pay. And obviously there's some nuance in there of what type of injuries and, and things of that nature. But generally speaking, you get hurt, they pay. And so with short-term and long-term, there's generally a set amount or a percentage of your income that they will cover, whether that be half or 60%. Generally, what I see is around 60% up to a certain dollar amount, whether that be 5000 or 10000 just depends on uh, the company and the plan. And so a couple of questions you need to ask yourself to figure out, okay, well, how much do I need and, and what do I select? One, you want to ask yourself, well, if I were to become disabled and not able to work for an extended period of time, how much do I have in cash savings, emergency savings that would get me through? So is it one month? Is it two months? Is it six months? And if you're in that three to six month range, then short-term disability may not be something that you necessarily need. But if you're less than that, then you may want to look into short-term disability. And then with long-term disability, there's usually what's called an elimination period. And this is just a period, it could be 90, maybe 180 days, where the benefit just won't kick in until that 90 days has passed, and then it will start paying you. And so having that emergency fund that will allow you to kind of get through that elimination period and then kick on those benefits once you hit that date. The next thing you want to think about is, okay, well, how much of my income is going to be covered from this group plan? And so sometimes there may be a gap. And there's two really possibilities that you could look at. You could either purchase up in the particular plan that you're in, which generally is the most cost effective if you have that option, just because group plans tend to be cheaper than individual plans because they're insuring a group versus an individual. And the second option would be looking at an individual plan to meet that gap. So let's say you make $10,000 a month. Your insurance is only going to cover 60% of your income if you were to become disabled. Well, you can go out and shop and say, okay, well, I need to make up that other $4,000 a month and shop that out and see how close you can get. The biggest difference between a private policy and then your group policy through work is that the group policy will be taxable, especially if your insurance, uh, your employer is paying for it. And the private policy will be tax-free benefits. So you just have to weigh that out when you go shopping, if, if that's the route you want to go. And then the last thing is group life. A couple of things about this. Group life is good for people that may be uninsurable, that know they need insurance. 
It could be a good supplement to maybe a private policy that you have outside of your employer. And some downsides to it is that it is generally age banded. So as you grow older, the cost of that insurance is going to increase. And so you want to keep that in mind. And then if you leave your employer for whatever reason, that that insurance generally doesn't continue. There are some options where you can buy some permanent policies and things of that nature, but um, generally not the, the most effective way to purchase life insurance. The second task we want to accomplish is reviewing our retirement contributions. And we want to assess two different things when we talk about our contributions. We want to assess the rate, the savings rate that we are contributing, and then we want to assess the asset location. And so how do we calculate our savings rate? We take what we're contributing to retirement or any other type of accounts that we identify as savings. So we take savings, divide it by total income, and that will give you some sort of percentage that could be 10%, could be 1%, could be 50%. But in any case, we want to make sure that that rate is matching what we need as far as working toward retirement. And so the next thing, once we have that figured out and adjust it, we want to make sure that our asset location is correct as well. So what does that mean? What is asset location? Well, there's really three, three places where you can put dollars toward savings. Those three places are pre-tax, so like 401ks, traditional IRAs, SEP IRAs, simple IRAs, but anything that would be paycheck deducted from your income before those dollars are taxed. The second thing would be Roth, and so that would be like a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA. Those those dollars are going to be taxed in that given year that you make that income, but then it is going to grow tax-deferred, assuming that you invest that money, and then when you become 59 and a half or eligible to take distributions out of that account, you will not be taxed on it again. And then the third way is through a after-tax account, like a brokerage account, where you can, again, invest in mutual funds, stocks, bonds, whatever the case may be. And um, then you would be assessed capital gains tax on that as that money grows. And so you really want a mixture of all three. Now, how much in each will depend on your, your individual situation, but having a good mixture gives you the most flexibility on controlling taxes, but also having access to that money without certain penalties as well. Number three is planning for big expenses. So there's really three categories that you need to think about when you think about big expenses. There's there's needs, there's wants, and then there's a worst case scenario or emergencies. So obviously needs would, would theoretically come first. So whether that's doing some repairs on your house that you know are coming up, or cars or purchasing a car if, if the one that you have is, is on its last leg. And so making sure that those are accounted for. So that would go back to your savings rate as well. So if you know that you need new flooring and it's going to cost you five grand to get that new flooring, then we want to make sure that we set up our savings rate to achieve that at some point during the year so that we can pay for that flooring without having to take out loans and and doing all that mess. The next thing would be wants, and then I categorize wants as like a vacation or something of that nature. And so uh, we would want to make sure that if we are planning a vacation, and again, it's costing a couple thousand dollars, if you've got a family going on a nice vacation, we would want to make sure that our savings rate is going to meet that so that 
when we get to that point in time where we got to pay for the vacation, we're not strapping our emergency fund. And then the last thing is obviously emergencies. Having having that three to six months worth of emergency funds is critical to decreasing your chances of having to pull out of other funds like your vacation fund or retirement funds. So making sure that you set aside a little bit of cash in case that tire blows out or the the toilet floods and you have to have some repairs done in your house, whatever that is. And we'll wrap this up with the last task. And this one should take the least amount of time, but that is reviewing your beneficiaries of your investment accounts. So just taking the time to log in, looking at those beneficiaries and making sure that they're correct. Maybe you've had kids over the year or done some estate planning and need to make the trust, the beneficiary, whatever that situation is, just making sure that it's correct so that in the event that something tragic happens, your family is taken care of. And to just review what we went over in this podcast, um, one, make sure you're taking time to review those employer benefit packages. Two, make sure that you are achieving the proper savings rate. Three, plan for those big expenses. And four, make sure your beneficiaries are correct. I know there was probably a lot more questions that came up from the podcast than answers because this is a lot of information in about a 14-minute podcast, but I would be happy to help you review any of those uh, topics that we talked about. So you can reach me at hunter at palmvalleywm.com or you can visit our website at palmvalleywm.com and we'll see you in the next one.